Radio Film School is supported in part by Song Freedom. If you need the perfect song to use in your production, choose from a wide variety of genres, including Top 40 and Oldies But Goodies. Go to songfreedom.com radio to get a standard gold-level license worth $30. We're also supported by Muse Storytelling, the storytelling process that helps still motion go from shooting weddings to shooting the Super Bowl, and even going on to win five Emmys. Learn more at learnstory.org and use the offer code radio to save $47 off lifetime access. We thank Song Freedom and Muse Storytelling for their support. Welcome to Radio Film School Short Ends. These are many documentary episodes about all things cinema to hold you over into the next episode of the main series, A Filmmaker's Journey. If you want to know the origin of the term short ends, check the website. Enjoy. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Look, Nick, I'm not going to bullshit you. Because it's a waste of time, and then it becomes like that thing. I'm very, very aware that you are seeing other agents. And I think it's good that you are. Finally, I mean, it's healthy. But this is the thing. If you decide to sign with me, you're going to get more than an agent. You're going to get three people. You're going to get an agent, a mother, a father, a shoulder to cry on, Someone who knows this business inside and out. And if anyone ever tries to cross you, I'll grab them by the balls and squeeze till they're dead. If you haven't seen the 1989 film The Big Picture starring Kevin Bacon, treat yourself tonight and go out and rent it. Heck, go out and buy it. It's hilarious. If you have any kind of a connection to or affinity for film schools and or the movie business, it's a must-watch. That scene starred Martin Short, who has somewhat of a surprise role in the film, playing the agent to Kevin Bacon's aspiring director. And that clip makes a perfect introduction to part two of our Short Ends miniseries, Actors, Agents, and Managers, Oh My. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School Short Ends. How much uh, power influence does an actor have in saying yes or no to something that comes across their desk that may not necessarily be in the financial interest of the agent? It really depends. I think I think if Tom Cruise wanted to do anything, oh, of course, whatever, yeah. Well, that well, I mean, well, that I bring that up to make the point right. that it's a sliding scale depending on where right. that artist is mm. in the hierarchy Got of it. the business, mm. you know, because you know the. Well, I, but I mean, too, there's plenty of actors out there. Who are doing quote unquote indie? Like yeah. the definition of indie is <laughs> runs such a big spectrum, <laughs> right. and it's changed a lot in the last but ten years. There's a lot of actors out there who are doing, you know, very low budget indie passion projects that end up at Sundance or other places, and you know, and particularly if an actor, you know, has a gap in their schedule for whatever reason, and there's nothing else going on. As long as something is you know sag signatory i think they probably have a lot of freedom to do it i mean their their representation may not be so happy about it but their representation really can't do anything about it if there's not some other gig i mean it's one thing if there's something that they're foregoing to do it then that becomes a difficult proposition and a difficult conversation to have with their reps and also if it's something that you know their reps feel like is going to somehow because of the content or whatever the case may be might might be damaging to their future, you know, employability and and, mm-hmm. and 
whatever. So that becomes a tougher conversation. But otherwise, I think that actors have a ton of flexibility. Yeah. Is there? Yeah. What she said, I agree 100. percent Is there ever? Um, is there ever any kind of contractual fiduciary responsibility that an actor has in terms of jobs they do or don't take with regards to their relationship with management and an agent? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still going to need to pay their, you know, requisite 10% to their agents. Oh yeah. No, I know that. But I mean, like, can they, if, you know, uh, an out of work actor or not out of work, but an actor who's coming up is offered to do software $5 million for this role, but it's the kind of role that they absolutely do not want to do, but it's, you know, a $500,000 payday for the agent, does the actor have a, a duty to, like, either seriously consider it or, like, what responsibility do they have when something like that comes across? Where They have no – there's no fiduciary responsibility for the actor to the agent whatsoever other than the fee. Got it. So like, you don't have to take a job no. or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, it- I've, but I've had, interesting enough, you saying that, I've had friends, I'm not going to name any names, but I've right. had friends that have like like regretted signing on to projects and like literally tried to <laughs> like go uh, on the lam <laughs> and not show up <laughs> in set and people were like searching them, like hunting them down in the city. Like, where's he at? We need him on the set. You know, and it's like, they just didn't want to do it, you know? And it's like, but it's like, you know, you get this momentum of money and, and, and uh, it, just the momentum of the project itself. And then you, you know, I think a lot of times people get ra- uh, caught up in it and, and then, you know, they might be, you know, an example, they might be working with a director that hasn't really scripted the rollout, but they want you to be in it. And it's, you got to trust them. It's going to be great. And then they, they realize that that's not really happening. And then, you know, bef- you know, they're shooting tomorrow and nothing's happened that was said was going to happen. And so they end up running or this is crazy. I, I can't be doing this yet. You know, and, they, and they're, you know, pushing their agent to get off the thing. And the agent's like, well, wait a second, you're getting paid X, Y, and Z. Let's just do this. This is a great director. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, so I, I've noticed that before with the. Uh, yeah, buyer's with the, remorse. Yeah, buyer's remorse. Right, right. Are there any kind of contractual obligations with actors to stay with an agent? Like, can an actor fire an agent at any time? Yes, but whatever work that they've booked up until that point, mm-hmm. even if, like, say, this happens quite frequently and it happens with not only actors, but also with, like, um, uh, department head crew members and so forth they'll book something and then before they start shooting they fire the agent and then they start Mm -hmm. making the money for that job but they're now with a new agent well the money they're making on that job goes to the old agent goes to the old agent got it interesting um and another way around can an agent drop an actor anytime they want yeah they can yeah so it seems like the only contractual obligation is just for the payment which is odd to me because i guess it's not odd but i mean one part of one point of a contract is to protect both parties and uh and it seems like if you're entering into a relationship with somebody who's gonna be putting in time and energy on either side um that at any point one person can say see ya i don't know it seems like it's a ruthless business it's Hollywood, where dreams come true. Right. I mean, that happens. I mean, but ideally, you want, you know, your agent's going to be out there working for you, and you have a good relationship and someone you trust. I mean, you, you always hear stories about, you know, I've been with my agent for, you know, 
if, if, you know, X number of years, he's always had my back, yada, yada. You, right. know, you hear him getting a, a thanked at award shows, whatever. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, uh, it, it can be cutthroat, but then there's also the other side where it's so like you get a team that's working behind you. They be, You believe in them. They believe in you. And, and, it, and it's beneficial. I mean, the agents are going to be there you know, fighting for you. I mean, cause at the end of the day, they want to get paid they want, and they want you to sure. excel. They're not trying to hurt you. They want, they, they want you to make kajillions of dollars because they get paid. Right. Um, but like using the example that uh, Yolanda gave, at what point is it become, uh, what's the demarcation line for determining what, that the agent definitely gets that fee? Like, so let's say, you know, let's say, you know, I have an agent, Acme agency. He's working on a deal for me. Um, but right now they're just talking and I fire them, but we're still mid negotiation. And then, but the agent one's the one maybe who originally brought the deal or maybe the, or maybe the gig originally came to me, then I passed it to my agent or my manager to handle it. But in mid negotiation, I fire the agent and hire somebody else who gets the deal. Like, and the new agent, Finishes the negotiation. No, that needs to stay. That has to stay. That has to stay with the original. Has to stay with the original, even though the person came to me first. Like, let's say we go back to the example that I gave earlier, where you know JD has has a, a you know a movie idea. He takes it to Jay August. Um, Jay August loves it. Jay August agent starts working on it. The agent, for whatever reason, is not doing too hot. Jay August fires his agent. Obviously, this is all hypothetical. This isn't for real. This didn't really happen. Uh, and then a new agent comes in. Even though JD brought it to Jay first, the original agent would still have to get the cut of the deal? I am fairly certain. I'm not 100%. But, yeah, I mean, because basically what's happened is you're in a good faith negotiation with someone. So, right. it, you know, it's it's it has But let's commenced. say the agent is messing it up. Let's, you know, let's say the agent is not very good or for whatever reason or maybe the agent it gets sticky that's where you get lawsuits (laughs) i'm serious no no yeah that's what i was wondering it's curious um and uh like how something like that would so where do you think like if a lawsuit would happen like are there any precedents that come to mind like where would they fall like it seems to me i guess that's why i go back to the contract thing like if there's no defined explanation in the contract about how something like that happens um, like what would happen? Well, listen, what would happen is the actor would say with whoever, like, you know, say it's a studio or whatever and say, I fired so-and-so, I fired John Doe and now I'm with Sue Smith. Right. So the studio would then start negotiating, dealing with Sue Smith. But what probably would happen is John Doe would make us think and, sure. and, and sue for and say, that was my, that was my, um, deal. And the fee is should come to me, but what if and the they'd act- have to mm-hmm. they'd have to you know make a case for, you know the actor would say well this person was screwing it up and it wasn't coming together and he sure. wasn't close you know X Y and Z blah 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 and it would probably go to arbitration as to who mm-hmm. <laughs> who really earned the fee. Are there is there like an agent union? I know like there's like actors no. union. There isn't mm-hmm. really. No. no, that's interesting. I had a situation once too where I had. Uh, I believe it was two or three uh, crew members on a production who were with one agency when we started prep on a movie and they all moved agencies Hmm. because they actually 
their agent left the agency and moved to a new agency, which is also common. How does that work? And so they retained their same agent. They wanted to stay with the same guy, but that guy was now at a new agency. And there was a big hubbub, and they were calling me about getting getting their client's contract and you know, hounding us about sending them their contract and, because we had sent the draft because the contract was still under negotiation and hadn't been signed. And so mm-hmm. we were, you know, still turning the contract around multiple drafts and they were going back and forth with their old agency and the legal team at their old agency. And so these agents who I dealt with regularly and, you know, had good working relationships were calling me and asking me for the contract. And I was like, get out of here. I'm not, I'm not sending you, you know how this works. I'm not, <laughs> This is not, you know, this and and it's I'm no offended, longer your country. And I'm offended that you asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was basically <laughs> my response. So, so yeah, that's interesting. So, if an agent leaves their agency, moves to a new agency, like using my old example, uh, the old agency would still be the one who would get the fee. Correct. Got even it. though it was the same guy. Even though it's the same guy. <laughs> What's your plan, manager? I'm working on some things, Vince. You may want to work on calling Emily back. She left three messages. You know, what am I going to say? I'm an idiot? I shouldn't have promised you the print of a movie I can't get? I like the idiot part. Why don't you call Walsh? Uh, see, here's the thing you don't seem to be grasping. I don't make the calls. He don't make the calls. I make the movies. He's the movie star. And I make the money, or at least I used to. So you hired this guy. You wanted to hire me yesterday, John. That was yesterday, bro. I'll make some calls. Hey, the manager's working. <laughs> Go get him. Okay, this next part of the discussion is where Jay Daniel Linder tried to convince me why in the world an agent can't also be a manager. Email me or leave a voicemail let me know how long it took you to get it. The difference between what an agent does and what a manager does and why does the manager get 15% and the agent only get 10 because it seems like you always hear about agents. Like in all the Hollywood movies, there's always, all oh, my agent, my agent this, my agent that. But the manager gets a bigger fee. And the manager, it doesn't just have to be 15%. It could actually be anything they want. Oh, really? Yeah. It, agents, it has to be 10%. Managers could charge whatever they want. Usually Why is it's 15. Because, you know? um, well, Yonda, you. Why is what? Why, Why does a, a manager get fifteen percent or whatever when an agent? See, and the agents, Yolanda might be able to speak to this better, but just from my acting background, I was like, typically when you start out acting, there's a, a system of agents that are like the, um, I don't know if I'm going to describe this right, but they're kind of like the gatekeepers. They they vet the actors that are going to get on projects or whatever. Right. So it's kind of like this working relationship in the industry between the production companies, the agents, and then the actors. The Management is an additional uh, uh, person that comes in and, and facilitates their the, the actors, their, whoever they represent, to get to do things that are slightly different from what an agent would do. An agent is more like kind of like your lawyer. Um, where yeah, manage- they have to, you have to, the manager can't negotiate for you on your behalf. That has to be the agent. So, I mean, essentially that's what the agents do. The manager is supposed, typically the idea is a manager is giving you a higher level of service as far as like directing your career and positioning you and like doing other things, you know, setting, 
you know, things up for you and and meetings or appearances or whatever, you know, doing more things to kind of guide and shape and grow your, your career versus an agent who's more so a negotiator. And, and, and so that there's kind of some overlap because the, uh, you know, a manager might also make sure that you meet the right people to get you on the right projects, Mm -hmm. which an agent can do too. But just having, you know, if you have a really good management team that is, has a track record, that can go a long way. And so that's why you'll find people. So who regulates that an agent can only get 10%? Like, mm-hmm. is there a regulatory body? I don't know, actually. It's a good question. I can't, I, I can't, I think SAG has a lot to do with that. Cause mm-hmm. you, you know, back in the day, uh, I think that, you know, there's like just notorious cases like early in early Hollywood where actors and stuff were getting robbed. Can a company be an agent and a manager for an actor? No. They can't. No. It's a conflict of interest. How is that a conflict of interest? I mean, the interest is the actor. Because if an agent is also managing you and then they can charge you for any amount for that management, that's essentially charging you whatever they want to be your agent. Wait, and, huh? And, and, okay. shouting, and, and, and shrouding it in a mm-hmm. management Scenario. If if yeah, if agents are bound to only charge ten percent, right. but then they also say, "Hey, I'm his manager too," so I I tacked on another fifty five percent. Well, no, that's what I'm a- saying. What if an agent actually? Why can't an agent actually also be a manager and charge what a manager would charge? For the reason I just said, that's circumvention. But, but, but you just said that an agent, um, that a manager can pretty much. Or JD said, manager can even though fifteen is the normal. So the difference is that that managers aren't regulated, like in a sense, aren't regulated where agents are. Mm-hmm. So a way for them to circumvent being regulated is to say, "Hey, I'm a manager too," mm-hmm. and then and then they can just then that whole ten percent thing just flies out the window. And but they're like, not being circumvented if they actually are if they if they are actually providing the services that a manager would provide. What's wrong with that? I guess is my question. I I think that. They've, I because think in the past they've realized. Yeah, you're describing something to game the system. Yeah. I mean, guess what? I'm also going to be your manager, so now I'm going to charge another. I'm, no. I'm not saying that that hasn't happened. No, I'm but you're saying, that- you're, you're saying it like it's some kind of dubious thing. Like they're just trying to get more. I'm saying it like. I have never heard of any I know, dubious but- in Hollywood. <laughs> ever. Call us crazy. <laughs> <laughs> What are we talking yeah. about here? No, but listen are to Are you just it. arguing for argument's sake? No, no I'm asking a serious – you're making it sound like the reason why an agent can't also be a manager is because then they can charge whatever they want. I'm saying if a person is actually providing the services that a – but Man- here's the, okay, manager here's would question. provide – This is my answer to your question. If I buy big I, – I can buy – Morris has a management division, right? Or no? Or are they strictly? No, it's an agency. But the, are are some of the agencies? Don't they also have like a? a that was management? my next question. Okay. Do they have divisions? Well, then there you go. I mean, I just think. I, I mean, like with what Elon is saying, Do we need just, to Google this too. I'm already on Google. Right. Nigga, nigga. <laughs> um, no, I'm. But don't you think that's a good question? No, because well, I think it's a. It's legitimate, but because think about it, I can go to Pizza Hut. I think it's Pizza Hut. I can go. I can go to some place and I can get, I can get a slice of pizza and I can get a hamburger, right? Let me ask you this: question. If I'm paying for a pizza and I get a pizza, that should be fine. 
if there's a law saying you can only sell hamburgers in this That's not a good right. analogy because it is a good analogy. Tr- no, no, because Who's that definition. That- Who's definition of what is management and what is agency and whether or not someone's actually providing those services and whether or not they are. What do you mean whose definition? What's, how, yeah, what's 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 the standard of determination to specify whether this agent who is also your manager Where's the where's the line? Where do you where do you determine? Oh, these are management services, or these are agent services, and the, whether or not that person is actually providing both. Who's making the determination? Who's regulating it? Who's? I mean, like, what what are we talking about here? Like, who, and you got to remember in history of but Hollywood, specific, people but, people got screwed by agents before there was the whole ten percent. Uh, and so you can't be screwed by a manager. No, you definitely can, but but so let's but, say but, but let's you know say you, that, you have a here's guy. The, here's, the, here's the thing, though. In the past, yes, actors got screwed by their agents. How? So they, What's well, an they would, because well, I can't give you a, a a firm example. I just remember coming up as an actor. I remember hearing stories like old Hollywood, where like, oh, right. this poor actor got raped by their, sure, not literally, but screwed over by their their. Their agent. Uh, their agent because there was th- that ten percent rule wasn't always in place. Okay, that's something that's more of a modern era in Hollywood where mm-hmm. you know you go back to like the third. You go back to a certain point. I don't know when. I'm kind of talking out the side of my neck right now, mm-hmm. but I but I know there was a point where it, it came about because agents were screwing over their clients. It's just that's what happened. I'm reading here, talent agents are licensed by the state and by law are only allowed to take a ten percent cut of whatever you can make. Okay, and I guarantee you that came about because some agents were taking fifty percent, eighty percent, you know, or, or ridiculous amounts, and and robbing their clients essentially. So, so that's one thing. So, so the agents, so agents have to be licensed by the state. Managers don't; they don't have to go through any licensing or whatever. And um, it says managers tend to to make you sign it through your contract and can take. Anywhere from 10 to 15 percent are in charge of overseeing your career in the long term. Managers tend to have fewer clients, maybe as few as five, and therefore can give an actor more attention and can Mm. be wonderful in developing an actor's career. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. But I'm saying, you know, I I say with love, (laughs) I find your suggestion (laughs) absurd. I mean, to allow that would just open the floodgates of, I mean, some, some of the most unscrupulous people yeah. are agents. I mean, the, pe- the only people with worse reputations than agents are lawyers. <laughs> so, so you're saying you managers don't have that kind of reputation. If you so give so. them any means in which they could charge more than the regulated 10%, they're going to go to – I mean, actors, they, they would give – you know, open up a vein and bleed out on your floor for you to be able to get an acting job. And then you say, oh, I can get you, you know, work. And say, well, listen, I'll sign you, but I need to be your manager too. And since I'm your manager, I get to charge you another 15%. So you're going to pay me 25%. Okay. But if he – that actor does not have any other person managing them. What's wrong with that? Because they now can't get that agent. Mm-hmm. I mean, not every actor has both. And quite frankly, I think it's a waste of money unless they have an excellent manager. 
Right. And here's the thing. Most of you're, you're acting like this is Tom. We're talking about the young budding Tom Cruise. But mm. the reality is that most actors are never. I mean, most actors don't make over 10,000 a year. So if they're giving away 10,000 a, a year, a year. Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Most of them are uh, are the bulk of SAG. Ninety nine percent. Yeah. They don't. There's 10. There's thousands and thousands of actors that don't. They, they work. You know, they might do a commercial, and not do another one for three years. They might make 30,000 off a commercial and then not. You know, that might be it. So a majority of actors, a vast majority of actors don't make that much. And if you're going to say and – if, and if you have agents gaming the system on those guys mm-hmm. that aren't already making money and Got like it. Yolanda said, will open up a vein to get any little thing. Right. And then, you know and, – and, and it said 10 to 15. I don't – that's – since they're not regulated, it could be more than that. I mean, that's just like a guideline, but that's, I've heard stories where it's more, and look at the music industry, which is the overlap of entertainment and celebrity. It says, the bulk of members, about two-thirds, according to some estimates, make less than $1,000 a year for acting, either because they can find no work or because they have moved on to other careers but kept up their dues. SAG said the average annual income for its membership was 52000 So bottom line, it sounds like what you're saying is, Majority of actors aren't making that much anyway. That a lot of the quote-unquote management... The crux of it seems like a lot of the quote-unquote management services really aren't needed by actors in general. Correct. Correct. And, and so then just so if about, you have okay. an agent who's saying, I'm going to manage you and he's charging extra... I'll only sign right. you to my agency Got it. if you'll also hire me as your manager right. so I can charge you 25%. <laughs> Got it. Exactly. Right. And because they're an agent and they have more clients than like a manager would have, they're not even really giving the kind of service that a true devoted manager would give. Correct. All right. That's cool. (laughs) See, I can get there. I can learn. Uh, Don't don't be offended by it. I'm not. All right, man. Okay. Back off. (laughs) Okay. That's cool. (laughs) Got it, dude. So hopefully that wasn't too painful. I never said I was a genius. If you're an actor or an agent or a manager and you have a personal experience you'd like to share on the show, leave us a voicemail at daredreamer.fm or shoot us an email at radiofilmschool at gmail.com. Be sure to stay tuned through the credits to hear about what we'll be discussing on next week's show. Huge thanks to J.D. and Yolanda for their patience and participation. If you want to hear more fun, animated, invigorating conversation with these two, be sure to check out our Oscar special bonus episode. It's currently in the iTunes feed. Radio Film School is a production of Dare Dreamer FM. This episode was written and produced by me. Our co-producer is Chris Huslidge. Music was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to artists and tracks are in the show notes. Song Freedom is one of our devoted sponsors. Go to songfreedom.com slash radio and use offer code radio to get a standard gold level license worth $30. We're also supported by Muse Storytelling, the storytelling process used by the Emmy award-winning studio Still Motion that helped them go from shooting weddings to shooting the Super Bowl. Just go to learnstory.org to learn more. Use the offer code radio to save $47 off lifetime access.
Next week on our Filmmaker's Journey episode, we continue our Filmmakers with Style series with a discussion of the variable patron saint of film geeks everywhere, Quentin Tarantino. You begin to invest the things he says with like your own interpretation of, uh, of like the meaning behind it, right? But you can't actually know. <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's just, it's complicated. And I think that's what's interesting about his work is that it leaves you in a place where you're, um, it feels like you're invited into a discussion. With that excerpt from my interview with Cut.com CEO Mike Gaston, you are cordially invited into my multiple discussions about one of the most iconic, provocative, and celebrated filmmakers today, and perhaps ever. Until then, remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Au revoir. Previously on a bonus segment of Short Ends. Hello? You have to um, plug in your microphone. Because I cannot hear you. You hear me? There you go. He was oh. having a Mary Sue moment. <laughs> this is, I'm having deja vu. Coming to habit. Yeah. Um, I think I have enough content to make a whole episode about all the reasons, <laughs> all the different issues. Oh, he's you, up. He's you, fucking up on the computer. Technology problems and interruptions seem to be a common theme with my calls with JD and Yolanda. Well, I shot a feature with them. I helped them co-produce a feature. Why is this ringing? That's Princess now calling you. Right. <laughs> I just, I turned the, the, the speaker off on my uh, phone. Sorry. Just adding to the content. Dude, I she saw me. Yolanda saw me turn the. Sound like Oscar the Grouch answering. The phone. Do you hear him? Yeah. I can't hear him. You can't hear me. Oh, I'm all plugged in. Jay, oh my goodness. In. He's having a Mary Sue moment. <laughs> you know, a Mary Sue is when I'm something back. works out for you, though. <laughs> right. Yes. Hold on a second. Let me find out what is going on. We're going to hear Ron use the N-word. He's going to use the N-word. Hello. Hey, hey, Ron. Yeah. Ron, I told Yolanda we were about to hear you use the N-word. He said, oh, Ron's going to use the N-word. He's going to use the N-word. Nigga, what the fuck going on? You know I'm doing a podcast? (laughs) Binge watching not only changes, like, how we consume content. Hold on one second. My wife is deciding to run. Can you guys hear that? <laughs> yeah, the yes. vacuum cleaner. <laughs> hey, by the way, tell Taj what's up. Tell, hey, tell Taj what's up. No, it's a blender. Oh. All right, hold, hold, tell, hold make, tell him to make me a smoothie. <laughs> Tried to actually stick her microphone into the iMac Mini Lite that um, <laughs> her plug. So there are a number of Mexicans who are nominated this year, and a funny Wait, thing happened. On. Just for the record, for those listening, that's not me typing. That's probably JD. Oh, sorry. You hearing yes. typing? Yes. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. I hope you weren't recording any of that because it's all recorded. Dude, I start recording from the. Hey, beginning. that's off the record because you gotta you gotta let me know. <laughs> First, let me get my um. Let me get my very white voice on. What's up? <laughs> I'm coming in like Shaq right now. Uh, how you doing? I'd like to say hello to everybody out there in Rod's podcast world. <laughs> This is J.D. Cochran and Yolanda. Can you please step away from the mic?